Hey everybody, welcome to GSC Friday. I'm your host, Dean Sage. Uh, we have another really cool show. I have some new co-hosts uh, who you know, one of which is a returning guest, and that is Mr. Mickey Taylor. Mickey, how are you doing? Where are you? What's happening? <laughs> I'm pretty good. I'm sitting in my room. And your room um, is in Manchester, or did you like, you know, move again between last time we talked to you? <laughs> No, yeah, I moved. Last time I think we spoke, I was in Essex, and now I'm in Manchester. And I've been here for almost two years, so I'm kind of loving it. And actually, it has been about that long since you were on the show. We took a year hiatus, and yeah. apparently the viewership went up. So that's why we're back on the air, because people listen to stuff when it wasn't on the air. So we figured, let's get him some new stuff. Um, Mickey's got a ton of fucking new stuff that we're going to talk to him about, um, one of which involves the other co-host for today, which is Mr. Chris Crocker. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. I feel really sexy. Well, we, we, we're making the rounds. Like, uh, uh, Brandon Hilton was on a couple times. He, he showed off his underwear on one of the live shows. Everyone got a kick out of that. Um, so no, I'm not expecting us to do that because we're on video. But if you guys want to show each other your underwear, that's totally fine. Oh, we've already done that today on Facebook. Do you, do you, do you yeah. guys, like, share? Like, do you, do you trade off? Trade each other's underwear. Yeah, I mean, isn't isn't that that's like a that's like a thing? I mean, when especially like when you're dating someone, don't you have to date someone of the same underwear size? Isn't that the rules? I always give him my bras because like <laughs> I, I I he just loves to sniff my bra. So I I use uh, his bras as my booty pads because he can't quite fit into <laughs> he couldn't fit into my underwear. My ass is you know quite large. Bitch, I got a big butt too. I have okay? a bigger ass than you. Okay, I've got some cushion for the pushing. Don't start. Now, but heels are off limits, right? <laughs> nobody, nobody shares heels anymore. That's oh, like... they're if there's heels, they're all mine. Okay, yeah, that's true. I'm very much more of like a boot person. They're claimed. You look good. Uh, where the heels in this relationship? <laughs> yeah, where well, the heels. Uh, you guys have so much in common. So obviously, um, let's just no. do let's do quick <laughs> commercials because um, your some of your stuff is updated as well. So Mickey, give us the quick thirty seconds. Who is Mickey Taylor today? In case someone doesn't know you. Yeah, who is Mickey? <laughs> Mickey Taylor is an enigma. And <laughs> now, uh, Mickey Taylor at the moment is a busy, hardworking little bee who is trying to do everything he possibly can to make sure this year is the best year he's ever had, not just for himself, but for his fans. And hopefully this is what this album will do for them. So, so you said album. So Mickey Taylor, the artist, the the recording artist, who happens to do a little bit of that erotica stuff on the side, right? That's it, though. He's only ever done, like, one or two scenes. Like, he's not really out there all that much, you know? Psych. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I've done a few. Like, porn is everything to me. I love what it gave to me. I love the success it's given me and the popularity and the fan base I have in it is amazing. Um, but, of course, at the same time, I love my music and I love that art form so i just want to continue doing both for as long as i can now so i'm not going to dump any, any of them that sounds that sounds amazing and um chris give us your 30 second intro just in case someone has not heard of you who like who are you what's your what's your fame what's your what's your thing oh well if they haven't heard of me i would just say welcome to the internet um <laughs> basically, <laughs> um you basically, are officially allowed to say that by the way yeah welcome to the net darling um I would just say that I'm, you know, a video personality comedian and I like to give motivational uh, speeches to people. But I also do music on the side, too. So kind of like how Mickey, you know, he does porn and music. I do comedy and music. So we're both multitaskers up in this bitch. Yeah, like we're both versatile. Like 
versatile. There's one of our new favorite words. Uh, actually, last week on the podcast, we talked about versatile sexuality and versatile, versatile gender fluidity and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But uh, I'm so very, for today, I'm fluid, so that's cool. Oh, well, good. Actually, you know, we should probably uh, we, there's a there's a really cool event that we just had on Wednesday, which was a, a, a live launch for a book on burlesque. Um, and we talked a lot about that. So if uh, people tune into that, uh, that's a fun subject. Maybe we'll have uh, Chris come back and uh, get him together with Logan and some of the other burlesque people. And we can talk a little bit more about that. That'd be kind of fun. Um, for today, though, I'm going to focus on music because I've got two musicians with me. Um, and actually, very few people know this, I think, because I only tweeted it like once. But I play like seven instruments. I'm like kind of oh, a, wow. a little bit of a – yeah, I'm a nut. Um, I do too many things, but I don't make enough money at any of them. So yay for I me. I play the triangle. Yay. I always get called uh, what is it a, what is it a jack of all sp- what is it they say jack of all trades jack of all trades a master I just hear none. jack and think of off you say master I think of bait so well um, they say like but, yeah. jack of all trades master of none like See, right yeah that is, so me. that is so me like I I will never ever like master anything but I want to do everything so then I give everything a go and then everyone's like God is there nothing you can do I'm like yeah I do them but I don't know if I'm doing them well. <laughs> I, I think no that's sort of like the ADD thing, though, and and creativity comes with it. We just flutter. Are you like diagnosing me with ADD on a podcast right now? I might be. <laughs> I got that I ADD have, triple HD. <laughs> speaking of having too many things, I do have a master's in psychology. So, um, uh oh, yeah, I know danger. Uh, but we're we're okay. We're, we're talking about music today. Um, and as odd as it seems, we're going to talk about music and visuals to start it off, uh, because there's so many things going on right now where music and the visual side of things with the internet, social media, yada, 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 that's all coming together so that it's almost impossible to do anything without being visual. Um, so Chris, let me talk to you for a second. How important has the music video become in this new era of the internet and things, and maybe specifically for you in, uh, as well? That's so interesting that you ask me that because when you do your music independently, you have to kind of decide if you're going to put your money into your production or and and being such a visual person, what I do is mainly videos. That's how people know me. You would expect that my music would have that to accompany it, but it's very hard to pay for your music and then your music videos on top of it. So I've been lucky that the visual hasn't had to be important because I do so much visual with other stuff that it sort of just promotes itself, I guess. I've only Mm -hmm. ever filmed one music video, but I have like 50 songs out. And the songs that don't have videos are the ones that do the best, so... Maybe they, okay, just so you... wanna, maybe they just want to hear me and not look at me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Lord, Lord. Let's, well, that's why I do audio. Uh, Mickey can attest to that. Um, now, Mickey, uh, just a little bit of self-promotion. You and I happen to actually have shot, and I don't know why I'm doing the finger motion of two team fingers touching, because that's not what we shot. But we <laughs> shot We, a music we shot video. E.T. Yes, <laughs> we did shoot E.T. Damn him. Uh, no, we, we shot a music video uh, for your single, Dirty. Um, dead. In New yes, York. and it was, of course, it was amazing. Yes, it was in New York. It was in a fabulous little studio that you discovered, uh-huh. and now I'm stealing from you. Um, <laughs> but, like, what do you, where do you think that things go? I mean, we've got the YouTube music going where it, it pretty much features the music videos that people mm. are putting online, whether they're, you know, cover songs of people singing or full on music videos. Like, what do you think that visual and music, and, you know, are we going to have this link up where everything's released as a video like Beyonce does? Uh, um, I don't know, because I guess the same as Chris, like, 
I am, we're both very visual people. We are known for having a visual face on the internet. He's very much known for all of his YouTube videos and his videos that he does on Instagram and Facebook. And then there's me that's done modeling since I was like a fetal matter. And then like at the same time I've done my porn so that it's very visual. But then I've kind of come to find that I've shot two music videos now. And yes, the song, they're probably my two most popular songs. But the I find that the actual rates of listening to the song or the numbers of people listening to the song are much higher than the rates of people watching the music videos. Right, yeah. So, so people I aren't necessarily that, discovering it via the visual. It's no. more if it's I they're mean, good songs than they're looking at it. Yeah, I mean, it's there like to have like an extra art form and an, another thing to have. Like, I really wanted to do one, for example, for like Dirty and Pain to show two different sides. Pain is very sad, very emotional. So I wanted a very arty video. But then Dirty is very sexy and a, quite a filthy lyrical song. So I wanted to express both. But I think. I'm in like no rush to film another music video. Like I film them because I want to, not because I feel that they're great promotion. I think mm. if I find myself emotionally attached to a song, then I want to do something extra for Ooh. it for my sake more than anyone else's, I think. I was saying, you know, not to like jump in or whatever, but I was just saying, oh. I think it's, I think we're the bigger issue here is we're talking about, you know, the luxury of being able to create those music videos when you yeah, have a label. Yeah. Book. When you have a label behind you, we're talking about the difference, I think, between independent versus major. And yeah. of course, you know, the gamble is that you pick a song if you're going to do a music video as an independent artist that you think will grab everyone's attention. But, you know, as an independent artist, you don't have feelers out there to figure out, is this going to no. be the best song that they like? So it's yeah. kind of a gamble when you're spending $6,000 on production or whatever, um, so I like to just put the songs out there and see what they like the best before yeah. I'm like, let's do a music video. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. And you, the thing that you brought up though with the labels and with all the, the marketing and promotion research that they do, in some ways there's actually leads to like homogeneity to where the only thing that gets made, like Hollywood, the only thing that's getting made is blockbusters, music videos, the only thing that's getting made is like the, the dance singles and uh, right. you know stuff that's guaranteed the radio play. And in fact, songs are even written for radio play. I mean, there's a whole yeah. bunch of things that just having the money doesn't necessarily also mean that you have something that is like heart and soul, like Mickey was saying. But Chris, let me um, focus a question on you. Um, so things like YouTube Music, like Apple Connect, um, like they're broadening the scope of getting in, you know, getting uh, songs in front of listeners, getting getting music to, to earballs. Um, but like, how do you see, even though you don't do music videos, how do you see the visual work and the social media that you've done that is visual as helping you as an indie artist? And then what do you think is the future of being able to connect with the listening audience? Is Apple and YouTube on the right track or no? I mean, I don't think that we can really guess what the future will be because if you told me 10 years ago that I would still be doing the internet stuff you know as an income I would have laughed I don't think that we can really predict it but just like we couldn't predict YouTube but as far as I would say how it has helped me is just that like what it does is especially because I do different things I do comedy I do whatever but I'm very about the visual like um because I like to just give a face to the brand. It essentially, even if you're just doing a comedy video, you have to have the outfit right, the cheetah print, honey, yeah. the camouflage. You have to present something that sticks in the minds of people. So I think it just helps with branding more. Even even just like, say, a video I just posted yesterday had a million views. 
I don't think it would have got those million views if I didn't have the lighting right, the look right, everything, because you're essentially promoting your brand mm. along with your comedy. I think at the me, moment as well, it's like iTunes, Spotify, all of these streaming and distribution apps or whatever. Yeah, they're great and they're amazing. And it means that as independent artists, we can put our music out there. But I'm starting to find actually that these days people are more after the hard copies of stuff rather than the actual streaming and downloading. Because when I first started out and dropped my first ever single, everyone was like, where can I download it? Where can I get this? Where can I get that? Whereas now I'm dropping a song or the album and people are like, where can I get it on vinyl? Where can I get it on CD? And yeah, I'm like, but Mickey. What? But Mickey, that's because the hardcore fans want the hard copy. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about just casual listeners when we no. say that. The hardcore fans want that so they can, you know, have that as memorabilia. Yeah. There's still a lot to be said for physical possession of things. I mean, that's why books still exist, even though, you know, the the internet's been around for forever. And um, it's why videos and DVDs and things are still selling. Uh, you know, the, the, that physical ownership, I don't know that that's ever going to go away. And I think that the vinyl resurgence also, there's kind of a coolness to it. And because we have a digital age where we have such shitty copies and bootlegs of things, <laughs> the appreciation for the high quality, you know, and, and, and the kind of audio file quality that you can't get from yeah. a streaming service because they're trying to, you know, save bandwidth, yada, yada, yada. Um, Mickey, I got to throw a question over to you. Um, uh -huh. because you both kind of brought up the visual and, uh, Steve Grand actually, uh, was kind of quoted out of, out of context, but, but he brought up the idea of pretty helps. Um, and I think that, uh, because you've walked in between these two industries, especially uh -huh. one that's so dominated by looks, I'm putting that in quotes. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that pretty helps? Do you think that with the modern age, with social media and everything like that, that pretty is a factor or what Chris was saying, is it more about production value? I wouldn't say that I would ever agree with anything that says pretty helps. At the moment, I think it's starting to become a thing where it's quirky helps because mm. I'm starting to see like the Ollie from years and years, Troy Sivan, uh, Melanie Martinez, Halsey. They're all very individual with their looks. Even Chris, like, uh, and myself, like we're all very what are you trying individual. To say? <laughs> no, I, I mean, like we're all very individual, strong things, like people, and our looks reflect that. Like Melanie Martinez is running around in pink pastel colors and greens and blues. Then you have Ollie, like he was first red to fill for his teeth and like his quite weird look like image, but he actually rocks it and then it dresses like a fucking king. He's amazing. So I think at the moment, the thing that really just pushes people and does help within the industries is having like that unique signature look and that image. Like for instance, like me with my blue hair, like that's kind of my thing at the moment. And I love doing it. And like my album wouldn't pop as much on the cover if I didn't have that big blue striking image on the front and it's quirky and it's different. And it's not really like the whole image as a whole isn't, like based on my looks per se it's more about my individuality as a human being and what i'm trying to put across well i was and just gonna say that that it, i was just gonna say it also has to be about authenticity because anyone yeah. can slap on blue hair it's yeah. about it has to be something that reads as authentic to represent yeah. you 
Yeah. Well, Chris, was that what you were kind of getting at earlier when you were talking about the production, uh, the lighting and the costumes and things? Were you pretty much saying that it visually as a brand visually standing out is be- is what you're going after? It's not so much being pretty, well, but about making an impact? Well, when I say that, I'm speaking in broad terms. Like I was just speaking, I think, about a specific moment where I posted mm-hmm. where it kind of represented I had on my cheetah print and stuff. But in as a whole, I don't think that pretty helps because I'm here to no. tell you it didn't help me in Liberty alone. I looked a damn mess and it didn't help me in a lot of things I did. What helped me was not giving a shit how yeah. pretty I looked because that's what people resonate. People want to see people the way that we are in everyday life. Yeah. That's what it's like, for instance, like with you, people see you on your Instagram all the time, like twerking, looking you know, like a ponytail. And you know what though? Yes, you're being quirky and you're doing that, but it, you're authentic to yourself. And that's what's built you, your brand. And that's what's so good. I think, yeah, like, I I totally think that as long as you're being true to yourself, it doesn't matter. Right. Like, as long as people can address and relate to you, then I pretty does not, help, like, matter. Well, like, there's some pretty people out there who have oh, the personality yeah. of a brick. And they oh, have, yeah. and they aren't going anywhere. I think that you just have to be able to let your walls down. That's the yeah. only way that people are going to be, like, moths to light with you. I think yeah. if you're pretty you with no personality, good luck. Yeah, you have to let people in and you have to show people who you are and the likable things about you and what you're like as a person. Because if there's nothing likable about you, then they're not going to want to know you. Like, for instance, like one celebrity that just got backlash was Azalea Banks because she was openly like saying some pretty rude shit recently. And everyone's gone off her. And it's the same thing. You have to like be likable and you have to be something that people can relate to and understand and appreciate as not just a person, but an artist. So if you're walking around being a bitch, then no one's going to get into you. So I'm hearing, I'm hearing authenticity. I'm hearing uh, vulnerability. I like that, I, by the way, the vulnerability drawing people in. Um, and Chris, I mean, you mentioned kind of earlier, uh, we were talking uh, about gender and, and, and fluidity. Um I mean, things, if we go back in history, we had sort of Beatles mania and pop became sort of, you know, teen girls and that's what drove it. But, you know, lots has changed since then. When it comes down to gender and songs and, you know, do do love songs still drive things? And do you have to genderize a song or is it more in the ear of the beholder in the, the case of modern day pop? Um, oh. That's such an interesting question. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I when I listen back to my own songs um, and I'm picking out the single art, because um, when I it's it is that is such a good question. I'm so glad you asked that because I've asked myself many times, am I tapping into like my feminine energy when I'm singing? And the truth is. I, because I already feel it's not about tapping into it. I, I already feel female on the inside, but when I sing, it's even more present, not just with the tones that I use. Um, mm. And it's not about locking it into a gender, but it's about just being honest about the energy that you're expressing. And so when I, a lot of times people are confused because most of my single art is me in my female self. And so that's because in the songs or the emotion I'm conveying, I'm in touch with my feminine goddess or whatever you want to call it. Um, So that's a really good question. I don't think, though, that it has to be limited to a gender, uh, however you're expressing yourself in a song. But for me personally, I find that I do tap into that when I sing. 
Interesting. I mean, Mickey, flip it on the other side. When you're when you're trying to make sales, um, you know, do you have to sort of sing to this gender neutral area, or maybe even a heteronormative area, or you know, can you sing about taking a dick up your butt and still you know connect with that audience? <laughs> I actually got asked this question recently on Twitter, and someone was like, "What what's it like for you when you're trying to like boost sales, like?" How do you feel about your art? And I was like, don't ask me about sales. I have no interest in how well my song is doing, how well it's selling. Yes, I got super excited when I saw how well it did in the album charts. And I was really happy for that and the support that I had. But it's not about that. For me, like I like lyrically, I write about being very sexual with men i've written about sexual experiences with men i mean jesus like one of my songs diamonds on the album is about a dream i had with about a couple that i know from america and we have this crazy freeway and they're both men and dirty is about a man pain is about a man and i'm very open about that i think that even though i'm writing about men and everyone knows that i think that the songs are still relatable whether you're a man woman straight or gay because although I'm talking about my personal experience everyone has experienced these things I've written about everyone's had heartbreak everyone's had like this interesting or fascinating like sexual experience and I think that as long as you can find a connection with the music it doesn't matter what the full content is like for me I've I've never dated Adele but I still love her music and I totally get where she's coming from when she talks about some of the heartbreak she's gone through. I think as long as you're writing something that people can get into and is relatable and at the same time has a rawness about it then people get it and people understand it. Chris, do you think that the vulnerability cuts both ways that you don't necessarily need to have the exact same experience in order to empathize with what's in the songs? Um, yes, because I think if a songwriter's doing their job and painting a clear picture of the experience, like from it's it's different for me, though, because I, I just did, you know, a country indie album where it was completely about my life experience. And then two days ago, I just put out a song called Clap Back Kitty Cat, which is a rap song. <laughs> so it's I I mean, it, there's two ways to look at it. I think people connect with music differently for different things. There's music you yeah. want to listen to to escape your emotions. There's music you want to listen to to have fun and get away from your feelings. But then there's a time to also tap into that. So I like to create from both places but as far as being a listener i can listen to someone singing about fucking and and drinking scissor or whatever the fuck they're singing about <laughs> it doesn't mean i necessarily relate to it but it's about just a vibe of like yeah this is chill but then yeah. you have music where you can just you know get in touch with your emotions i like having that balance because i can't just yeah. all you can't always be vulnerable and emotional or you'll yeah. be a wreck that's why there's songs there that are mindless so I think it's important to have mindless music and, you know, music that helps you. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a good summation. Um, I have one last question before we uh, start to talk a little bit more about the collaboration that you guys did. And it's a very simple one, hopefully. But Chris, do gay boys still stand? Is that still a thing? Is, Wait, what do you mean? Part of, Wait. Is that part of the new millennium? Do they do they still pick a pop star and just, you know, go all out for it? Oh, oh do they stand? I thought oh, you, said... you didn't hear me yet. I thought you like, said, do they stand? Like, 
I get it, yeah. <laughs> Can they like, stand up? They... Is that possible? Or are they just on their knees all day? They're a little wibbly wobbly. Um <laughs> I yes, of course. Um, there's so many speaking of stan accounts, there's so many stan and troll accounts that are constantly in my mentions that are like mm-hmm you know, make a leave Beyonce alone video. There's so many Stan accounts that I think that's the majority of Twitter. So my answer is absolutely they exist. Okay. Mickey, is that, a, is that covered over in the UK? Do, do UK gay boys go and, and do all that standing as well? Do you guys have another I've word for it actually? I've never heard this expression at all. What? Oh, okay. You've never yeah, heard of Stan? Like break it down for me. Cause I have no idea what it means. It started with the Eminem song. We have to give credit. Where oh, it's like good. getting obsessed over someone. Yeah, like yeah. if you're yeah. a pop star. Like a fanboy, when you become a little fanboy. Yeah. We just call it that, I guess. But yeah, like, Jesus, you get so many gays that are, like, running around, like, uh, listening to Lady Gaga, Beyonce. And then if one of them likes Beyonce and the other one likes Lady Gaga, then you see them always fight on Facebook, go, fuck you, Gaga's the most amazing person in the world. The other one's like, well, Beyonce's a fucking bitch, blah, blah, blah. Especially but you guys, Super Bowl. <laughs> we're saying this, and the listeners are going to be like, "Well, well, about Chris Crocker's like the most famous stan of all time." <laughs> so I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. I can be a stan too, but I'm a stan when I feel like you know someone needs uplifting in the world. You know, I'm not yeah. going to cuss people out just because they don't like someone. No. Well, I I find it really curious that there's is so much sort of infighting, but then I look at the uh, the you know the playlists of all these people, and they've got everyone on there. So I, yeah. it's a, it's a curious thing. I like I like fanaticism to a degree. I mean, that's what yeah. drives everything that we do. Fans are fans are important, and people yeah. liking what you do is important. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, it's good that they're out there, but it, it is kind of funny when you know they're fighting. I'm like, ah, you know what? They all sound good, and sometimes they have an off day. It happens. Um, yeah. But speaking of not having an off day, and th- speaking Speaking of sounding good, you like my transitions there. Um, uh. Mickey, tell me a little bit more about this uh, album that you just put out, and then we'll talk to you and Chris about the song that you guys did together. So, but just set the set the stage for me. <laughs> set the stage for me. What is what is this album uh, that you just put out, and, and give us a, a, a quick preview of what we're going to experience when we listen. My heart literally just skipped a beat. Um, okay, so um, Herbert's Lament is the name of the album. It came out. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and basically I've been writing this album for a whole year Uh, actually a little bit over a year and it's basically just about the last two years of my life and it's been about the breakups the crazy nights out the times where I've like hit rock bottom the times where I've been in states of euphoria about life and then instead of writing diary entries, I wrote about a hundred different songs. And then I picked ones that really called out to me. And then I recorded them with my producers, Alex Ray and Will Reed. And that's the album. Um, so it's a personal journey and it's, yeah. it sounds a little bit like a, like a, a diary and musical yeah. format. Um, I think, I, I, mean, I think Green Day album. did that themselves yeah. one time. I think a lot of people have done that actually as an artist. For for me, like I, because the album is about thirteen tracks long. For anyone that has downloaded the album, will actually know that three of those tracks are spoken word, and those spoken words are like at the beginning, the middle, and the end. It felt very much like a story, like you were yeah. drawing people through the story. Yeah. So at the, right at the beginning, I talk about like my first breakup in like the past two years and how hard that was. And then it breaks into the first song and me rebelling as a person. 
then it goes into another song where I'm starting to find love again. And then in the middle, I break up with someone and then it develops through throughout the thing. So it's kind of like if I was going to do a music video for each song, they would all mash together and make like a short movie. That is actually a dream of mine. So we'll talk about that later. Um, but <laughs> since, we, since we just passed Valentine's Day, um, Chris, let's uh, flip this around. How did you first meet Mickey and what did you think of him when you met him? <laughs> How did we meet Mickey? Was it Twitter? Yeah. We we met on Twitter, I think, because I was just like, who is this, like... Who is this bitch? Who is this... No, like, who is this beautiful guy? And the thing is with ah. Mickey... No, I'm keeping it real. He doesn't like compliments, <laughs> but for real... It wasn't even like, oh, I like the D, I like the booty. His eyes were, like, so pretty in those lips. So, you know, I just wanted to find out what was really popping. I literally, like, covering my face right now. But we've known each other, what, like, two years now? Yeah, pretty much. So what yeah. brought the two of you together for a song? Mickey, since this is such a personal experience, was Chris part of these two years? Like, is did the song come from something that you guys had experienced together? No. Or did it just make sense artistically? It, no, it wasn't even, in a weird way, this song was not supposed to happen with either of us together. Um, I was in this serious writer's block um, a couple of months back. And I was in this state of pure anger and frustration and I had this amazing produced track by Alex and I was just like I can't write it I'm blank I have no idea what to do and I sent it to Chris and I was just like what do you like help me out here like lyrically what do I do with this and it was like really early in the morning for me so it was really late at night for him and then literally 20 seconds later I get a text back and it's an audio of him singing the hook, which is Look me in the eyes, look me in the eyes When I'm down on my knees, when I'm begging you for more Jesus. Look me in the eyes, look me in the eyes Look me And I was just in fucking love Like I was sitting there like clicking my fingers Going, this is my life, this is so good And I was like, can I use this? And he was like, yeah, but then I then wrote a verse And then with his hook on top of it, I was like, there's no way he can't do this with me. So I kind of just pretty pleased him and asked him very nicely, would he want to do this song with me? Oh, and like we read the whole that. song in like a day. So. This is how it's gonna go. I'm gonna let you take it slow down on the floor. Like a motherfucker. Oh, I ain't gotta tell you twice. I just wanna make it nice. Wow, so a whirlwind experience. Chris was in it from the writing, and and then he was on it. Chris, what was what was it like working uh, with Mickey for this song, and you know, being a late night uh, songwriter? Um, <laughs> well, I literally, I on my phone, I have like three thousand voice notes. All I do is like write songs, write songs, write songs when I'm not making videos, and I never use them. So like, anytime someone's like, "Hey, like, do you hear something in this beat?" It's like I like my juices just get flowing. And I get like. I literally become a human exclamation mark. I get so excited. <laughs> like, I love it. It's my, like... That is a wonderful visual. Jesus no, I just, like... A human exclamation mark, yeah. No, okay, but literally, I love it. So, like, when he even, like, asked, do I hear something in the beat, I was, like, yeah. honored because I just love writing... I just love coming up with melodies and stuff. And, of mm. course, the fact, you know, I'm secretly trying to wife him one day, that helps, so... <laughs> Um, I oh think we have to get him to hold still, which is quite the task. I threatened him with duct tape at the recording, um, but that oh actually God, kind of yeah. turned him on. So, 
All right, um, Chris, t- tell us a little bit about what we can look forward to coming from you personally. Um, what's what's sort of the next uh, release, and 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 then tell us where to find you um, in case again we've never heard of the internet. Um, you can find me on my Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Chris Crocker official. Um, I but I just put out. You um, got to add check. the official in there. You know? Yeah, I heard that. um if you see the blue check it's me um um, but as far as what i'm up to i'm wrapping up i actually have been recording an album now for almost a year it's so good and well thank you baby um (laughs) but i just put out a single called psycho and it went i think what like it was like 27 or 28 on the electro charts so but i'm i'm still just finishing the album so i'm working on that but the album is called Faint of Heart, which I haven't told anyone, so it's an exclusive. Ooh, ah, exclusives and secrets. We, lo- we love exclusives day. and secrets. That's I remember amazing. the day that, like, you released Psycho. That was, like, such an amazing day because, like, you released Psycho. And oh, my was, God. Like, yeah. So happy for you. And then, no, wait, like, you were we just dropping and dropping through the charts, and you were just going higher and higher and higher. I was just like, oh, my God, bitch, I love you. And but then, wait, didn't we accidentally put this, our songs out on the same day? Yeah, like I didn't even like I tried to publish my album the day before and then it came out the same day. So you were like hitting the iTunes chart for like the singles and then I was in the album charts at the same time. Yeah, because so we iTunes. dominating the electro out like charts. On yeah, because a lot of people may not know, Mickey, like we can set a date on iTunes, but a lot of times it just decides on its own. Yeah. So yeah, the the music and releasing things. I mean, it's unless you're literally a publisher uh, or a studio, it's just impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. But we had twins. Our babies came out the same day. We had twins. So we both were in the top 40. I hit, wait, yeah, I hit number 12, which was like scary as shit. But yo, sexy thing. Yo, sexy thing. It was, it was amazing day because we were both sitting there like on on our phones, like texting each other screenshots going, look where I am now. It was really good fun. (laughs) Oh my god! Uh, and I think actually, hopefully, the audience sees like the amount of camaraderie and 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 artist collaboration. Um, and the reason I had actually brought up the whole gay boy stand earlier is that I think what a lot of people don't see with you know even other pop stars is that that all happens with them too. Like it's 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 all about collaboration. Mickey, the last time you were on the podcast, I think we talked about that from the erotica side. But I mean, everybody yeah. working to help everybody—that's sort of the world that we live in now. Um, you have to. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, Mickey, give us a quick rundown. Where do we find you, and uh, where do we find this album? And you know, the, the, give give us the, give us the social media contact stuff. I'm so gonna do a Chris right now, but if you go on www.facebook.com forward slash Mickey T official, look for that one with that blue tick, so you know it's me. Own <laughs> it, maybe. Um, no, if you go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, if you ever type in Mickey T Official, you know that's me. It's never anyone else. And uh, Mickey T Official on iTunes, Spotify. I'm now on Tidal, and my music videos will be on Vivo soon, which is awesome. Excellent, and excellent. You can so also keep that at my house. Yeah. <laughs> in an apron <laughs> or not in an apron? Does what is he? What is uh, he? Because he doesn't wear clothes. I don't have time for aprons. I just he, he don't know how to cook. Erect. He don't know how to cook. I, I can cook. I can cook. Oh, shit. He's the, you, he's the, he's the visual cake. entertainment in the kitchen. I'd rather you just go get me some McDonald's, honey. Anyway. I make a mean chocolate fudge cake. 
All right. Well, I want to thank both uh, Chris and Mickey for joining us. Uh, that was Puppet's Lament, and you can find that on all of the the various uh, outlets and soundtracks yes. available. So go check that out. Uh, and from the all single here, is called "Look Me in the Eyes." Right, look me in the eyes with Chris Cro- featuring Chris Crocker. That's Mickey T. Chris Crocker. Uh, but from yep. all of us here at GSC Friday, I want to say it's have Taylor. a great weekend. Crack open that bottle, then I'll stroke you down like a faucet. Pin me down, wrap my legs branch, then pop me like I'm a corset. I'll show you things you've never seen on the big screen. I'm X-rated, but I act right in the daylight, and I treat you like we're dating. Ooh. Shake your place as you ain't never seen I'll be your baby, make believe I'll take you to the fantasy